Welcome back to Out the Gate, the podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. Lisa Chapin Bullet grew up sailing sunfish off the beach in Florida. It wasn't until later, while living in Texas actually, that she jumped to sailing on bigger boats. It was thanks to a program called Sail Time, in which members share access to boats. Today, after cruising the East Coast, the Caribbean, and the Pacific, as crew aboard various sailboats, Lisa is the owner of Sailtime San Francisco. Lisa and I met by chance, and we clicked immediately, so I asked her to join me aboard Dovka recently, and sitting in the cockpit at a good distance, we recorded this conversation. We talked about our passion for introducing people and families to sailing in whatever way works best for them. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Lisa Chapin Bullet. I've uh, added an extra last name because I got married a few years ago and super excited for that. People might hear a little bit of wind because we are sitting here in the cockpit on a rather cold night under the shadow of the Golden Gate Bridge aboard my boat, actually, because you wanted to come see it. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you aboard. It's this boat on how we met. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell that story. Uh, my colleague who I worked with for 10 years found Derek uh, from Pro Yacht Transport. And uh, Derek and I have worked together on many boats being shipped across the country. And he, uh, requ- he asked me if it was okay to give a uh, reference to Derek. And I said, sure. And I remember I was in my mother's living room in Florida, and we probably talked for 20 minutes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I called you for, for a quick reference check on Derek, and uh, who was going to drive this boat across the country, and we ended up talking about all things sailing. Ironically, Derek's about to deliver a, an island packet to uh, the West Coast for me right now. That's great. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, my stomach was more in more knots having this boat travel across the country than I think traveling in this boat across an ocean because she's used to doing seven knots, not 70 miles an hour. But all was good. She made it safely. Let's jump back way before we ever met, eight months ago or so, to how you got into sailing in the first place. My dad um, and I had a uh, sunfish named the Huff and Puff, (laughs) and we kept it on the beach where our friends were the caretaker of a seasonally opened hotel in Florida. And so all summer long, we used the beach, but we couldn't use the hotel. It was closed. It was kind of like um, eerie that it was closed with like um, uh, hurricane shutters on it and things. And there was a couple of families and we had different boats that we would leave on the beach and we would sail in the Atlantic Ocean on these tiny little boats and it was incredible and I loved it. What a great way to learn. Yeah. The huff and puff. The huff and puff. Dad and our dog Rufus and my, uh, you know, sailing around and swimming and <laughs> beach picnics and it was fantastic. Part of my childhood. I remember my own father doing some contortionist moves to try and stay on the bow of, of a sunfish while I sailed it <laughs> as a small child. Those were not easy boats to fit multiple people on, yeah. but uh, fun. It was incredible. I loved it. You must have some memories burned in your brain from incidents on the sunfish. 
Nothing too bad. Um, if there was a hurricane, it would bury the, the the sand would blow over it, so we'd have to like treasure hunt for the boat. We'd like lose the whole boat in the sand. Um, but no harrowing stories or you know anything bad on the boat itself. But finding it was sometimes uh, hilarious. I recently, well, recently, I about five years ago found a sunfish that was a looked identical to the one that I learned how to sail on on a little lake in New Hampshire and just had to get it and have had it in the garage for the past five years and just recently parted with it um, uh, deciding to have just one boat to work on at a time so but it was hard it was hard there was a lot of emotion tied up in that Uh, the boats they grab us by the heart and they don't let go that's for sure it was a young age that you got into it. Did True. it did it carry through you, out your whole life, or did you leave it, come back to sailing? Tell tell me about your journey. I probably with had some ins and outs um, of sailing. I'd probably would sail for a couple of years and maybe take a break or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always sailed off the beach until I was in my thirties. We always sailed little tiny boats um, on the beach, including um, I owned a Prindle eighteen two mm-hmm. and. Um, our city, yeah, Yeah. uh, everyone calls them Hobie cats, but you know, they, they were other manufacturers besides just Hobie Mm -hmm. and my town of Delray beach where I grew up was, um, they had a lottery for 30 boats that could stay on the beach with a parking permit. Hmm. So at the, every day when they came, uh, every year when they came due, we'd have to spend the night on the lawn of city hall and we'd all get in line and wait for the, uh, permits to get your pass. And it was always like, who's going to be number one? and it was hilarious with a lawn chair and a blanket and and my parents would always let me do it it was very funny that's great oh and some years you were on the beach and some years you weren't uh no I always got one you You, always got one yeah I always got one and one year they upped it to like 60 or something like that Uh but it was super it was a great little community it's at the north end of Delray Beach and Mm -hmm. it was in every postcard the city had you know that was of the town and it was just a great little community and that's one of my favorite things about sailing is the the little community that comes with it it's awesome mm, yeah the community of sailing is is pretty special in fact since we're sitting right here and looking at a boat anchored here i was reminded of just a couple weekends ago there was a gentleman who was calling on the radio and he couldn't get his engine started so i was here and there was another anchor out we both put our dinghies in the water and rowed over and helped them and Eventually, with some battery swapping, got him got him going again. But it was just you know, we didn't know him, but heard heard him and just went to help. And so it's incredible. Yeah, it's really nice. It, you just kind of pay it forward that way. Always. So, so I know you've done some more extensive cruising. Tell us about that. I towards my forties realized that I probably wouldn't have children and end up uh, having to pay for college educations or things like that. And I got a little bit of wanderlust and decided to uh, uh, rent my house and uh, give away lots of things. And Where was your house at that point? I was living in Austin, Texas. Okay. And oddly enough, it's part of the story, but I was a Sailtime member in Austin. Uh-huh. And Sailtime was formed in Austin, which is interesting, out on Lake Travis. Huh. And so I jumped from little engineless boats up to larger monohulls. And so... I'm not sure I'd be very good at driving a little tiny sailboat with an outboard on it. (laughs) I kind of jumped from one to the other. (laughs) And uh, it was a wonderful experience. And I learned about cruising and sailing and chartering. I'd done some chartering. 
And I just got amazing wanderlust and realized that I had the ability to take off for a few years and go have some fun. And it was a fantastic decision. I loved every minute of it. Where did you go? I sailed up the East Coast mm-hmm. and uh, ended up in the Chesapeake for a while. I'll have to stop you because you told me a little bit before we started of how this you were supposed to go on shark research is that right uh i was going to be crew for a gentleman who had a boat but not a lot of sailing experience who Mm -hmm. was had a grant for uh researching sharks and it just didn't go all that well Mm -hmm. so i decided not to take that trip and ended up finding other people to sort of hitchhike on boats and I'm one of those jump in and help kind of people. And so I helped people move boats or families that had boats or I was with a family for almost a year that had a 52 foot catamaran and they had, you know, sort of a rotating crew that would come with them. Uh, It was a wonderful experience. Um, Just heartwarming all the way around all the different boats I was on. I think that's important for people to know who are out there wondering, how do I get into sailing and there are so many people out there who are looking for people who are willing to to work. Of course. And you can find passage somewhere. If you have the time and you have the ability, there are opportunities. Yeah, I recommend that people have some skills to offer when they get onto a boat. Yeah. I don't believe that you should ask for a free ride and free sailing lessons and all those things but mm-hmm. i see really interesting people offering mechanical skills or uh, fishing skills mm-hmm. or uh, being a nanny for children any kind of skill that you can bring to the table cooking. i think cooking any of those kind of yeah. things that can help out along the way are fantastic and so you're asking to sort of be a house guest in someone's home and i think um, in the tradition of sailing and being crew and uh, pitching in is the uh, best ticket you can have. Now, we touched on sail time mm-hmm. because you said you were a member of sail time. In I Austin, was. But you are no longer just a member of sail time. No. Tell us about that. I am now the owner of sail time San Francisco in uh, the Bay Area. And what is sail time? Sail Time is a membership program where we uh, introduce people to the joys of boating through a membership. And so instead of buying your own boat or chartering, I like to call us the perfect sweet spot between charter rental and traditional boat ownership. So we have eight members that share a boat and we professionally manage the boat for them. One of the um, members is the owner of the boat. They do a lease back situation to us where we uh, are their project managers for the boat and take care of it for them. And sometimes people want to buy a boat in our program to have multiple memberships. Sometimes they want to be able to own this boat in the future. It's an interesting reason on why people become members and owners. But for most part, the owners, um, excuse me, the members, I like to call them the prudent dreamers. So they look out over San Francisco Bay and they see boats and they think, I want to do that. Or they had a boat when they were young or their dad had a boat or their friend's dad had a boat or somewhere there was some fond memory of boating in their psyche and they seek out the opportunity to be able to be a part of something but not necessarily have to take on traditional boat ownership because boat maintenance is a lot of work and people lead busy lives so we're a great stepping stone for people either to learn to sail uh, have access to what feels like their own boat or um, 
just be able to learn what it's like to be able to have your own boat. And how many sail time boats are there here in San Francisco? Currently there's seven. Mm -hmm. We have two locations, one at Emory Cove and Pier 39. And mm -hmm. what size boats are we talking about? Anywhere from 31 to 41. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're a member, you have access a certain number of weekends a year? How's yep. that work? You get six weeks of yacht access. It's broken into guaranteed time every month, and you can borrow and save your time. Most of our members um, sail a couple times a month. Um, they'll do either sunset afternoon sails or sail all day during the week. Um, and then every couple of months, they'll take a trip, a couple of day trip, a long weekend, or some of our members even take the boat up to a week at a time. During COVID, a couple went to Monterey. People go up to Tinsley Island. They go up to Delta. They go all kinds of cool places. I have a sail time membership and I can tell you the cool things I do with my membership. Well, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> so for example, on New Year's Eve, I went and got a guest slip at South Beach Harbor and went, walked down to Chase Center and saw Dead and Company play. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you can do all kinds of different things with your sail time boat. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of places around the bay where you can go get access and uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, during COVID, my husband and I uh, went on a four-day trip around the bay, and we went to uh, Angel Island and went swimming and hiking, and we met some friends on the dock at Jack London Square and just got takeout pizza, and it was just a lovely time to be able to be out and relaxing and trying to keep our heads together through all this. Has COVID times had an impact on the business? Fortunately for sale time, it's been, um, uh, it's, people are looking for backyard vacationing mm -hmm. and um, activities to do that um, are outside, that are um, family oriented, that are, um, uh, feel safe out on the water. And it's, COVID has been an interesting opportunity for sale time. Oh, There's great. a lot of people turning their leisure time away from travel to other countries and things to travel in their backyard. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Camping equipment has just skyrocketed in terms of in boats, boat sales. Boat sales has been unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Now you said you have a boat being trucked. Uh, you said an island packet. From I do. The East Coast. How uh, is this for an sail time owner? I I work as a boat broker as well. Oh, okay. And so what um, when people um, decide that they uh, want more than sail time has to offer? Yeah. A lot of my members go on to buy boats. I've had boats circumnavigate that I've helped people buy. And this particular was a father and uh, his wife and their two daughters, two young daughters. Um, and they were unsure about, you know, what they wanted and what size boat they wanted. And uh, if you join sail time for a year, you become a fantastic boat buyer because you first off, you know that you like it. And you know, the whole family likes it in this case. And you um, realize what you want in a boat, what size boat you want. And so they were a member for almost a year, and um, their uh, brand new island packet's going to arrive on Friday. And we helped them buy it during COVID, and the kids are in love with it. They were at Angel Island when I was there um, for my husband's birthday, and they were like, oh my goodness, Captain Lisa's swimming. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because I did some training with them, and uh, they love Angel Island. They like being out on the water. They love healing. Um, it's been, we called it family summer sail camp. So we had a lot of families that would, instead of just teaching like an ASA class, we would bring the whole family along for training. And it was, it's wonderful. It's heartwarming. I love that. You said that people get a real feel for what they want in a boat when they're in sail time. Do, do sail time members get to, to sail 
any of the the member boats they can move around because we sell guaranteed time they're always on the same boat okay and so they don't get to try around but they get to see what size it is yeah some members like to try all the other boats so they'll switch every year to a different boat okay um so there are options for people that want to try out different boats but getting a feel of a 38 foot boat and spending you know four days on it with your family lets you know that um, most people think they need some giant boat when in reality, you know, that is a great size for them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We kind of gave short shrift to your cruising experience because I know we started to get into where you went and then I jumped into sail time. So I want to go back to that. You were going up and down the East coast. You spent a lot of time on that 51 foot catamaran, I think you said. Yes. But I also know that you ended up headed through the Panama Canal. So tell us about that. What boat was that on? Yeah, so I, I cruised up the East Coast, and then I was in a Bayfield um, 38, and we sailed to the Caribbean. Uh-huh. And it was very interesting not to see land for 16 days. Um, we did lose our engine along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sailed as long as we could. We were bound for Barbados, but bound is the nautical word of that's our heading, but not necessarily guaranteed of where we're going to take you. So I ended up in Antigua with a a boat with no engine, which was kind of interesting. And we had a lot of engine work done. We lost a motor mount and it was, um, uh, it wasn't terrifying, but it was interesting to think about that our engine was sort of laying in the uh, engine room, not working. Was there something wrapped around the prop? How did you... uh just a bad uh, misaligned engine engine mount. Just a misaligned engine mount. And uh, so I was in Antigua for many months while we waited for the boat to keep working. And uh, once we got it back, we would cruise around the islands. And uh, we went to Dehe and sailed around Montserrat. And it was absolutely fantastic. Mm. The owner of the boat left the boat with me for a while. And so I had some friends come in and we'd sail up to um, Barbuda and, you know, meet the locals and go see the Frigate Bird Preserve, and oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Being able to hop between those islands in the Caribbean, there's nothing quite like it. And then I left there and joined a 52-foot catamaran that a family had built, and I sailed through the Panama Canal with them all the way to the Galapagos, down the coast of Ecuador and across to the Galapagos. It was fantastic. Wow, how many day passage was that to the um, the gla- To the Galapagos wasn't that long of a passage. Um, it wasn't like being offshore in the other one. Okay. I did, uh, we had, uh, a, you know, like on the port and starboard hull, one was all girls and one was all men. It was kind of <laughs> funny. So I was on the girls hall and I was like, when we cross the equator, can we dump, ev- dump jump across and swim across <laughs> the equator? And so as the, we were watching the, uh, the um, GPS countdown, we all sw- dove across the equator and swam and had a big equator party and did your own shellback ceremony yeah, it was huh? super fun oh, yeah that's great mm-hmm. <laughs> yep it was a uh, very light winds and uh we tried fishing a bit but there wasn't a lot of uh we didn't catch much you cross the yeah. equator pretty close to the galapagos don't mm-hmm. you True. yeah yeah mm-hmm. did you spend any time in the galapagos once you got there yeah we had a um a permit to be on three different islands and one of my favorite stories about the galapagos is a lot of people don't want to pay the um, fees to go to the galapagos so they get a zarpe from ecuador saying they're going to french polynesia which is kind of like a visa and the zarpe will say they're going to french polynesia but they pull into galapagos and say oh my boat was sinking and uh the harbor master told us he's like every boat in that harbor is sinking (laughs) (laughs) and uh it, it was just a funny way to think about how people try to cheat and get in there we did pay the fees and um to have the three island 
um, pass. And so we could go on land um, in the um, regular areas, the like lived inhabited areas by ourselves. But when we wanted to go into parks and different things, we would hire a ranger or a, one of their naturalists to be able to do that. But we were in right by the Darwin Research Center in mm-hmm. Puerto Arta for mm-hmm. probably... I don't know, two months and the idea of swimming and playing in the water every day and being right there, it was magical. Mm. And we would go eat uh, the El Muerzo, which is the lunch of the day, like two streets over from where the tourists were. And it was $2. And you know the soup was made with chicken feet because we would see chicken feet in the grocery store. And it was just by, by the pound. And we'd eat it, but <laughs> it was sure, it's delicious. Yeah. As long as you don't ask too many questions. Or think about it. <laughs> it was a lovely trip. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about the hassle of the permits in the Galapagos and whether it's worth it or not. And from here, you have to go pretty far south before, you know, it's, it's not on the way to the Marquesas if you're leaving from anywhere north of Mexico, I think. True. Mm-hmm. But um, having been there once uh, as a, a child on a family trip, I have to say I am longing to go back because it was a magical place. I had gone once before with a um, Audubon Society group small trip, mm-hmm. um, and it was fantastic. But being there on a private boat, it was unbelievable. We had bought um, a trainer kite and a um, uh, kiteboard when we were there in in uh, Panama, and so we were learning to fly this three meter kite and this thirty meter kite on the beaches. And the little kids would come up and stare at the kite, and it was pretty early kiteboarding days. And it was so much fun to interact with people with that big kite and the little kite, and it was it was really just fantastic. And so much of cruising is just that, the interacting with the people who you meet along the way. Truly. Do you have any memorable experiences of that from anywhere in your travels? It's pretty funny. If you meet anyone that's ever been to Barbuda, there's a gentleman that lives right where the uh, dinghy point is where you can cross to the mainland. His name is Clifford, and he lives in a little shack there. And Clifford is quite the character. And Clifford has a little lobster farm that he keeps, and he... uh, puts the uh, lobsters in and he'll trade anything for lobsters and so we were trading peanut butter for lobster and turkey chili for lobster and Clifford kept us up talking about how he'd seen aliens and (laughs) you meet anyone that's been to Barbuda and they know Clifford (laughs) that's wonderful he took us by boat to see the frigate preserve yeah you mentioned the frigate preserve and I want to hear more about that oh it was unbelievable it's uh, kind of off the beaten path and you need a larger outboard to get there so Clifford said if you buy fuel for the boat we'll take you and we didn't realize that involved walking multiple miles carrying jerry cans (laughs) and jumping in the back of someone's car to catch a ride and we were like oh goodness what have we gotten ourselves into but Clifford was hilarious and if you meet someone that's been to Barbuda they know Clifford (laughs) but was the frigate bird uh, reserve worth the the effort to get the fuel they were mating at the time and it was like unbelievable amount of birds all squawking with big red pouches they're the ones who have those massive red pouches it was unbelievable I'm sure there's really good YouTube videos on it but I have fantastic pictures from it and it was worth every bit of it they also have the largest wingspan to body weight ratio of any bird I know this from the Galapagos that's the only time I've seen frigates but I just love the way they soar beautiful yeah yeah amazing wing Span to body weight ratio. Yeah, so they can, they're like bombers. They can Mm -hmm. just go, go forever. You've obviously explored a lot of of the world via the water. 
But you've also spent a lot of time exploring San Francisco Bay via the of water. Of course. So y- you've told us some of your favorites, like going down and seeing the uh, the Dead concert. I guess it was the cover band. Who? Were, oh no, it's the, some of the remaining members. Oh, it is. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Bobby, okay. come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but tell us some of your other favorite. Um, I won't say secret places in the bay but what you know tell us some of your favorite places hideaways anchorages places to 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 dock and grab a slice of pizza like you said you did i think (laughs) um clipper cove is what i like to call the 24-hour vacation you can sail over there from emory cove you know with just a quick short sail and um, anchor and swim and raft up with some friends i think clipper cove is sort of like a secret backyard uh, which is lovely um I think everyone should sail down to Redwood City um, once or twice. Oh. Sail up the middle of uh, Anchorage 9 and um, navigate all the way down there under another bridge. And I think it's interesting. Um, T- talk a little bit more about that. Y- uh, I've sailed small boats out of Redwood City, but I've never sailed up into it. Yeah, so once again, back to Dead & Company. They play at Shoreline, so you can go get a guest slip at Bear Island Marina and sail from Emeryville down to... Um, Redwood City, dodge all those boats and, you know, th- sail right up the middle of Anchorage 9 and see these giant anchors and just tankers, you know, just, you know, sailing right past them. It's wow. super fun. And then uh, spend a couple of days. They have a swimming pool there. I highly recommend Bear Island Marina. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, I don't I know if it's know open right now. I marinas around here had swimming pools. I mean, that's what I remember from the yeah. East Coast because yep. it gets so ghastly hot. They have lots of swimming pools yeah. there. But Bear Island Marina has a swimming pool, and that was one of the tippers on whether we should do this or not. <laughs> We've done it three times now, and uh, we just usually we go every year. So this summer it was kind of sad not to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a little different. This I love to anchor out at China Camp. I think China Camp is a lovely place to go. Yeah. It's always um, interesting to look out the window. Um, I like to look out the window and memorize the light patterns before I go to sleep so I can see if I've dragged or anything like that. But at at, at uh, Clipper, excuse me, at uh, China Camp, you're going to turn because of the tide. So when yeah. I wake up, I always look out the window and I'm always aghast that, you know, <laughs> that nothing looks the same. Are we dragging? Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. a very sound sleeper and... Uh, it's not necessarily the best thing to, for a boater, but I've had that experience at, at China Camp myself. You've been up the Delta as well. Yes, yeah. I've been up the Delta on uh, the powerboat that I live on, as well as the sailboats. Yeah, tell us about that. You live live aboard a powerboat. I do. A I boat. live aboard a, a Hatter's Fifty Three motor yacht, a classic uh, nineteen seventy eight, you know, vintage, um, beautiful boat. It's got all Brazilian tiger teak inside and. Um, it's it's slightly higher than most boats, so my view is sort of looks out the. Um, it's all one level of windows looking around, so it's mm. sort of like you're like the harbor master up that high, and I'm yeah. like a cat that got a window. It's I could look out the window all day long. Just it's so there. beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I think for those of us who love spending time on the water, we could just look forever out at the water. It's ever changing. Uh, it's one of those agreed things. all yeah. day long. Yeah. Sometimes I will FaceTime my parents and uh, show them the birds or the sailboats that are coming in. I lived in the, um, at the end of the basin in Berkeley for a long time. Uh-huh. And to watch all the boats come in and out and watch them, you know, put their sails away and the races, you know, come in and finish line and uh, listen to the whistle at the Berkeley Yacht Club, you know, when the boats would come in and watch the fog and the ferries and, I mean, just everything. It was just... I could look out and see boats all day long. 
I'm, and now where are you? What marina? I'm at Every Cove Marina. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautifully uh, well-run marina. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you grew up in, in Florida. I did. How long have you been here in San Francisco? I've been here 13 years. And what brought you here? Um, I'd just come back from cruising and wanted to explore new places and hadn't uh, experienced much of California before in my life and thought it was a good opportunity to do a little more traveling. And when you first started sailing on San Francisco Bay, what were your first impressions after having sailed out of Florida and in the Caribbean and up and down the East Coast? I loved all the things to see, but I was so sad the water was so cold. (laughs) And I still am. Yeah. 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 I love to swim. And it sounds like you still do. You don't let the cold water stop you. Uh, I don't get to swim for very long. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. I get cold quick as well. But it is invigorating to get in and take a dip. Yep. What haven't we touched on that you want to talk about? Um, about sail time or your own sailing? One of the things that's really important to me about sailing is to um, get people to understand that there's many pathways to sailing. Yeah. So I did a presentation. I've done it several times at the um, boat show about all the different pathways to sailing. So I show um, slides of me on that little sunfish with my dad and the dog. And I show, um, I teach people what my path was. And then I go on to show them that there's many different paths to sailing. And if you think there's just one way, you're not opening your mind enough. So I go over everything from uh, Alameda County, uh, Alameda Community Sailing Program to Cal Sailing Club to Bay Area Disabled Sailors, BADS Bay Area Disabled Sailors, B-A-A-D-S, mm-hmm. um, to all the different opportunities where you can volunteer, where you can crew for people, where you can take classes, where you can charter boats, where you can buy boats, where you can um, catch rides on boats, um, what different yacht clubs have to offer. And I think as long as you have a willingness to learn and work and don't expect, um, you know, like free lessons kind of deal. um, I think that if you're consistent and reliable, I think you can always find a way to be on boats. And it is not just an expensive sport that is limited to, you know, yachting. And I think that's a total misconception. I love that. I I really love that you're opening sailing up in that way. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who, who would say, how do, how do I find out about those those resources? You give this talk at the um, boat show here in Richmond. Do you ever give it elsewhere? Do you have those anybody, resources? Anybody that would want me to talk about it. I have the slideshow. I could email it to someone. I, I, uh, because I work in the marine industry, I... Um, have a lot of people that come to me seeking knowledge and I'm very educational in my approach to um, helping people mm-hmm. and um, I will often ask um, well what are your goals what are your um, fears what are your um, challenges uh, what kind of money did you want to spend I can help people for a dollar a day join Cal Sailing Club I mean I can always point them in that direction yeah um, there's uh, there's so many different opportunities um, to help people find to where they want to go. All they need to do is ask the question, and I will find them a way. You already talked about, uh, as a broker, you, you've helped set this family up with a sailboat. What are some of the other stories of people who you've helped get into it? I absolutely love helping people with children um, find their way to sailing and teaching them as a family. 
So one of the stories that um, I love with teaching, and I, I do a fair amount of teaching, is I was with the father and son one day, and the father kept telling the son what to do, but not why he to do what he mm. was needing to do. And the father um, was paying attention to the other son for a moment. And I asked the young man, I said, do you play video games? And he said, yes. And I said, well, you know how there's little data points in the corner of every video screen? And he said, yes. I said, well, here's all your data. And I pointed the telltales to him. I showed him what luffing sounded like. I showed him, asked him where the wind was coming from. And that kid was driving that boat. Amazingly, he stood taller. I think he was 12. It was uh, just heartwarming and still is to this day. So um, teaching people why to do something, explaining what it is that they're doing um, is a a lesson that I learned that day. And I don't know how I came up with it, but I continuously teach with that same mentality where I show someone the reason they're doing something, not just what to do. Do you remember... Your father teaching you about sailing, or is it something you just, just you feel like just you came by naturally because you did it so much? You know, it's interesting. I I remember being with my father and driving the boat and and sailing with it. Um, I was pretty little, yeah. um, you know, in my little orange life jacket and my speedo, <laughs> you know, bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. It was hilarious bathing suit. It was red, white, and blue. And in the white sections, you could get tan. So I had like stars and stripes <laughs> all over my stomach. It's hilarious. Very patriotic. So I have, I have uh, lots of great memories of, of being with my dad on the boat. Yeah. One funny story is now that I take my father out on larger boats, uh-huh. he still wants to always ride on the high side. So tacking a 40 or 50 foot boat, he still like leaps to the other side. It's quite hilarious, but cute. <laughs> We took him on a charter a couple of years ago and went to the Bahamas with my husband and I. And I thought, I was looking at my father and my husband sitting on the back deck of the boat. Um, and I, I was trimming sails and setting different things on the boat. And I looked back and I thought, I get to spend the entire week with the two men in my life that I love the most. And it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. That is great. I've really enjoyed talking to you. If people want more information about sail time, where would they go? Um, you can go to the website. It's sailtime.com. We also have a Facebook presence and an Instagram presence. And every picture that's on those two posts is always taken by our instructors or by us. It's not some paid thing. And they can always just reach out to me. Uh, super easy email address, lisa at sailtime. And the way you can always remember my name is Lisa is an anagram for sail. And <laughs> I didn't even notice that until, you know, <laughs> a friend of mine who's a writer and a proofreader pointed it out to me. So... It's my name is an anagram for sale, L-I-S-A and S-A-I-L. I love it. Yep. What a great note to Mm -hmm. end on. Thank you, Lisa. Good. Thank you, Ben. That's it for this show. You can find Sale Time at saletime.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Ben Shaw, host and producer of the show. Until next time, smooth sailing.